A million great ideas die instantly every day because they lack a plan or funding or you name it. We need more conversations about the soul inside the idea. The wind blows warm at a quarter to five. The sky's still dark, but my mind's alive. You lay beside me, dreaming of the sea. At least that's what it looks like to me. I'm Mark Ackler, and this stage of my life and career, the guiding principles I use are joyful innovation, building community, and teaching and practicing empathy. Welcome to The Real Work, presented by UBS, a show that gets to the heart and soul of building the pathways to making something, well, real. The voices you'll hear here are humble and honest, self-critical and strong. Like Johnny Immerman, the co-founder of Close Talk and Immerman's Angels, Johnny's a minimalist, a dream maker, and lifetime member of the Church of Kindness. Doing what you love feels a lot different than doing a job that you think you're supposed to do based on what other people you know, perceive you as. Like doing what you love intrinsically is a different thing. In this episode, How to Win the Battle for Simplicity. I'm Mark Ackler. Let's get to the real work. Nothing's too personal for me. I think it's just how people learn. So whatever you, wherever you want to take it, I'll ride with you. <laughs> well, Johnny, I, I, I got to tell you, man, I've been looking forward to this conversation because I am a fanboy. Like, I, I am just in awe of, of you and all that you've done, not for yourself, but for others. And I would uh, love if you could just give us a little bit about your background and your history. Like, tell us a little bit more about you. What makes you tick? Well, thank you, Mark. Always good to, to chat with you and see you. And, you know, likewise, everything you've done and created and, and mentored so many people. Yeah, you know, look, so many people helped us along the way. That's the truth. That's why we're here, right? What can we share? Right? We just got to pay it forward. That's all. Yeah, that is it. And it should feel good to everybody. That is the right way to live. Um, a quick background story. I'm from Detroit area um, when I was 26 uh, just a couple years out of college at University of Michigan, got diagnosed with pretty advanced testicular cancer, went through chemo, went through surgeries, and at the end of two years, I kind of looked around and was like, I have the best mom, the great brother, I have all these family friends, I have support, buddies were great, but I didn't know anyone who's been through the same thing. And a group of young survivors and I randomly at the end of treatment meet at the hospital. We immediately connect because we have everything in common. We're in our 20s and we all just went through cancer. And we all realize we're like, we got to find a way to give back. We got to find a way to find purpose and meaning out of this, this trauma and this difficult journey that we've, we've been on that we didn't think we would in our 20s. And so we created this nonprofit called Immerman Angels, and we realized our way to give back was to be a mentor, to be a big brother or a big sister to somebody else fighting the exact same disease. And it's a really simple model. Just no one had really taken the mentoring, and it's been around for resilience of years, and said, wait, people should do this for life-threatening illnesses. And uh, we were really just the first guys out there to do this for the cancer space, 
and uh, we named it Emmerman Angels. Uh, my mom named it actually in the beginning. She met some of my survivor buddies, and she's like, well, why don't you just put a name around this thing? They're like angels who just want to give back and selflessly help the next person. Yeah. And uh, today we're blessed. We have 13 full-time that work at a nonprofit, Emmerman Angels, and we have 13,000 and growing cancer survivors across over 100 countries who all share their story to give back one-on-one to someone's fighting the same thing. Oh, I can't imagine how important and meaningful for for everybody, for also like not for the patient, the family members of the patient, but also for the survivors who who feel like it, 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 by by helping provide some of that valuable insight and comfort. Hundred percent, right? Mark. Like you see that so clearly because you live this way also. And you do this for so many young, budding tech entrepreneurs and beyond. And the feeling that we get, the survivors, we sometimes feel guilty. I hear this all the time from survivors. <laughs> yeah, like, of course. You know, yeah. I talked to Mike for, you know, an hour and a half last night. I walked him through the same brain cancer surgery that I had two years ago. You know, this guy and I connected. I answered all his questions. And then the survivor says to us, but I kind of feel guilty. Like, I feel so empowered. I feel so good by helping Mike. But the reality is everybody benefits. You know, Mike needed to know those answers. Sure. And needed to know this person. But also the survivors are empowered and find purpose in life. It just makes you happy. It makes you feel good that you're able to add something good to something so difficult. Oh, that's amazing. So, so. You started out before you were 26, before you had cancer. What what were you doing? Then your life pivoted. So what what was life before cancer? Yes, I used to work in the corporate world. I worked uh, in commercial real estate for a guy in Detroit. And I was just a few years out of college, wore a suit and tie every day. Now it's hard to find me outside of a T-shirt, as you know. (laughs) It's funny how their life experiences teach us if we listen and, you know, you grow and you make different choices. And so after that, I hung up the suit and tie. I just didn't have that same passion towards doing that uh, commercial real estate. And we were doing this on the side anyway. I was doing this on nights and weekends with a group of survivors. You know, we never thought we would create an actual organization. Um, but I moved to Chicago, and then friends of mine in Chicago encouraged me. They're like, well, why don't you just set this up as in 501c3, take donations, hire people. And it just started taking off. You know, we were really lucky. Our timing in Chicago, 05, 06, 07, um, we were got we were really blessed. Every media station from TV to radio had us on in those first couple of years. Sure. And it really helped us get the word out. And I think just because it was a new idea and it was a group of young kids that were just like, hey, we're just going to do this and build this thing. And the media really promoted us, which helped us recruit a lot more survivors in Chicagoland yeah. and beyond. And then things started rolling. But I left the corporate world, decided to do it full time. Um, thank God to my friends who really pushed me and said, you should do this. This is what you love. And I learned that lesson at that age, like doing what you love feels a lot different than doing a job that you think you're supposed to do based on what other people you know, perceive you as. Like Doing what you love intrinsically is a different thing. Oh, completely. By, by the way, I was, I was in O'Hare a week ago and I was walking past and all of a sudden I'm in the terminal. There's a, a big giant poster for 
Immerman's Angels where there's two kids in a faux airplane with goggles on. Do you know this one? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I'm going, yes! You could thank Thad. So Thad, who's a longtime friend of mine, Thad Wong in Chicago, awesome Chicagoan. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, that's great. So Thad's on our board of Emmerman Angels. He's a co-founder of App Properties. And, and, and Mike Golden's a great guy, too, his partner. They've both been hugely, he raised hundreds of thousands for us, hugely supportive. But they also pay for those. And they give us free exposure at the airport. And I can't tell you how many people find us because they see the word cancer or Emmerman Angels. And they reach out. And it's just there's a lot of traffic there. So that's been an awareness um, poll for us as well to help more people. So it's been around since 05, 06, 07, right? Yep. That's your baby. That's what you were intimately doing for many, many years. So the organization lives on, but what are you doing these days? So, Mark, you know, I think guys like us that love the creating part, <laughs> maybe sometimes to a fault, but it's just so fun. And we got obsessed with this idea that the way we marketed and ran awareness to drive our, our support base and growth at Emmerman Angels, I mean, the media helps, signs that, you know, O'Hare helped, no doubt about it. But the number one way I'd say we, we grew this thing and grew our support base to recruit survivors to help people is literally as simple as wearing T-shirts. And yeah. we were determined to say every other nonprofit we know makes these bright purple with green lettering with like 100 words on it, T-shirts and 50 sponsors on the back. We're like we can make them cooler. And it took us years. Let me tell you, we made mistakes after mistake after mistake. But we finally learned that what people really wanted was a black, really comfortable, cool T-shirt that fit them well, not boxy, high quality and soft, which is simple white lettering of Emmerman Angels on the front. You know, classic colors, nothing fancy, typical branding. I mean, the right kind of branding. You know, less is more, not too much stuff. And all of a sudden, our friends were like, I'll wear that at the gym. I'll wear that at a Cubs game. Sure. I'll wear that at Northerly Island going to this concert or walking my dog in West Loop. And all of a sudden, like, the conversation started to happen. People started to say, I keep seeing that logo. What is it? And the word got out, which literally brought us everything we need from donors to volunteers to survivors to people that use the program to oncologists that love us now that send us their patients. I mean, to future board members, you know, that might have even found us off a T-shirt at the gym one day, heard about us for the first time. I don't know. But, you know, it worked. And so we finally said, let's do that for all nonprofits. And my brother and I launched Totally separate books, separate organization completely. It's actually a company. It's a B Corp, which yeah. is the highest level certification of social good for a company. Um, took us a year to get that certification, but it's an important one. And what we do is we built a website. It's closedtalk.com, C-L-O-Z, talk.com, like your clothes are talking for a good cause, branding for good. Yeah. And you can go to the site and find hundreds and hundreds of nonprofits or learn about a new one. And right there, you can shop if you get inspired and buy their logo hats, their T-shirts, their hoodies. Right there, you can buy it. We make them on demand and drop ship right to the customer. And our goal is to reverse the model mark where typically you want a Feeding America hat. You go to Feeding America's website and then you go to their store and then you buy their hat. We're building a centralized store for all the best vetted nonprofits, which we believe one day 
will be us at Close Talk site. So if you go to Close Talk, uh, you can not only find your specific nonprofit that you care about, but you can also learn and explore all these other nonprofits that are there. I have this, this conversation between curation, which is sort of editorial voice, and search. Because at the end of the day, trust is so important, especially trust around nonprofits. And the question is, how do I know that this is a nonprofit that's worthy of my attention, right? And so one of the things I love about what you're doing is in some ways, you're also curating trust. You're saying, here are other nonprofits that you may not be aware of. Come take a look, like come explore. 100%. You are very smart, obviously, and spot on. You know, I talked to Jessica Drost about this in the beginning. We started, I know, a good friend of yours as well. And she said to me, she goes, Johnny, the key to this is the vetting of the causes. Like, I need to know when I go to Close Talk's site that all these causes are worthy of my time. It's exactly what she said. It's funny how online you you, you two are so parallel in what you just said. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm not worthy. If she said it, you can take that to the bank. I'll give you credit. You said it separately. All right. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. So, so is that how you're spending most of your time these days? So, yes. I'm part-time Emmerman Angels every day. I'm doing something with the team, and I'm, I'm always a mentoring younger guys with testicular cancer. Yeah. Keeps me happy, to be honest with you. I mean, we need to do that. Every survivor, I think it's the duty of the cured, and I just enjoy it. So, and some of my best friends are survivors, so I'm always connected. But most of my time is on closed talk, and really we want to change the world. And our real vision, if you really want to get, you know, down into it, is picture the streets of New York, Chicago, San Francisco, L.A., Seattle, where people on on the regular are rocking a logo of their favorite cause. And then that starts creating conversations, right, about their favorite cause. And opening us up and teaching others about it. But that mission is something we are so, it's hard, and we make mistakes daily, but we're so dedicated to seeing that become a reality where it's cool if the quality's high and the materials are soft. It's like, why wear a plain white shirt when you can rock the logo of a cause and do something good at the same time? So, so I have another saying, which is the tyranny of choice. Like, when yeah. you have too much choice, Right. So it sounds like you've got supply chain pretty well. Like you've got a process, one color, one logo, relatively few skews. So it it sounds like you've got a uh, you've got a methodology here. Talk a little bit about that. Like why deny choice? And by the way, I'm, I'm a huge fan of that. But you've alluded to that a couple times. Great question, Mark. Smart question. So um, fortunately, there's really two main reasons, and both of them, we believe, help the nonprofit the most, the reason for doing this. So that's always number one. That's the North Star. You know, what's best for the cause? What we learned with Emmerman Angels, and we tried it all, believe me, we tried yellow we did partnerships with Livestrong. We would, that's our close partner. We would do yellow shirts. We've done blues, reds, you name it, greens. Every time we came back to black, because that's just what our friends wanted. Yeah. Our friends were like, those are cooler. You know, it's classic colors. 
If you gotta go to an event after work, you put a blazer maybe on top of it. Black and white goes with anything. It looks kind of cooler. And maybe reds were seen as a red shirt. Maybe great for you know Ohio Street Beach, you know after work, you know and playing volleyball, and that's great. But black and white would go with everything. So more people wanted it more of the time. We also felt when you reduce the colors. Like take open books, for example, one of my favorite Chicago nonprofits, yeah. you know, right there on Lake Street, their logo probably has, I'm guessing, 17 colors. I mean, there's colors <laughs> everywhere in every letter, and it's great. Right. We believe on a brochure where someone's already a captive audience and looking at it, it can be great on a website, captive audience too, but when it comes to on your skin, apparel you're going to wear, too much, too many blurs the ability for people to see it and recognize it and we noticed when we did only two colors black and white people would see it faster remember it more it stuck because it was less complicated so to answer your question the simplicity and the cleanliness of the brand we're like let's stick and keep it simple we actually do gray and white as well so we do black and white and gray and white those were our only two color combos but that's it and we don't do taglines, we don't do mission statements because we want to keep it simple, clean, and so forth. We learned a lot from our branding friends as well who helped us get here. Yeah. So so it's close talk C L O Z talk dot com. Dot com. You got it. My conversation with Johnny Immerman continues in a minute. I'm really proud to partner with UBS again. This time on the Real Work Podcast. It's a rich relationship that began with sharing the story of the book I co-wrote with Mirta Sherry called Exit Right. Exit Right teaches where deals get into trouble, how to create alignment between negotiating parties, and what terms of a deal you should care about most. As a leading global wealth manager, UBS knows how to work with entrepreneurs and business owners at all stages of their journey and legacy. In fact, their purpose statement is reimagining the power of investing, connecting people for a better world. Empathy matters. Let's face it, starting and growing a business is hard. It's why UBS reminds their clients to begin with the end in mind, as their legacies often become intertwined with their companies. To learn more and find an advisor near you, go to UBS.com slash business services. UBS.com slash business services. UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS Group AG, member FINRA SIPC. my guests two questions so you ready yep all right Anything. here's the first one <laughs> when you wake up in the morning what makes you smile when i wake up in the morning what makes me smile? that's a great question so i do meditate immediately every morning i do gratitude prayer yeah and i meditate i do it like in my bed i'm not even out of my bed yet so gratitude prayer um i do a meditation um, I also stretch a little bit now that I'm over 40. But like what goes through my mind um, 
I would say the gratitude prayer is probably the key. And my family's healthy. Like, I'm healthy. I'm not going in for chemo at 8 a.m. this morning. Like, I've done that before. You know, a lot of young survivors or any survivor knows what that's like. I've done that for a year or two years. And you got to stop sometimes because I forget. And I will forget if I don't remind myself every day, like, where you've been. Or sometimes look down at your scars. You know, I have an 11-inch vertical incision through my abdomen to take out four scars. And I think it's one of the best things because you can't hide from it. It reminds you how lucky you are to be able to go to the gym today or to work today or to you know get up out of bed and stand up straight today. So yeah. the gratitude prayer is probably what makes me smile. Um, but let me tell you, I have my moments and I get frustrated over stupid stuff. And it's always a, it's a challenge. We're human. We're human. We're human. <laughs> All right, that's question one. That's a great answer. Thank you. Second question yep. is if you could pick one word yep. that gets to the core of who you are as a person, what would that one word be? I would probably say enthusiasm. Yeah. <laughs> I get fired yeah. up easily. I would probably say enthusiasm. If I could pick a number two, which I know you didn't grant me, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. It would probably be like interpersonal. I mean, to me, living things and the connect, maybe connection with people. I know that's a few words, but like connecting to people, learning people's stories, why they do what they do. And especially the most fascinating part of me are human beings that find a way to give back, mentor, do social good. Um, yeah. That to me, that's why we're here, is how we connect and then what we do for other people. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that. You know, those words are perfect. What came to mind, when I think of you, what came to mind for me was optimism. Thank you. So, which is which is kind of like enthusiasm, yes. right? Yes. Right. But but you've been to the dark side. You've had a difficult challenge, and I've always thought of you in all of my conversations with you. You've always brought such a joie de vie. Like just you know, you enjoy life. You enjoy other people, and I think you have an inherent optimism, which I find to be very infectious. Thank you so much. Very kind. I would say likewise to you, man. Always have a good hustle. I try to have the same of a good hustle, care about something, hustle. But optimism, I think, is key because as an entrepreneur, if you're not loaded with that, as you and I both know, you're going to quit. It's really easy to quit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, I, I teach a class at Kellogg at Northwestern. But when I talk about entrepreneurship, I try not to be too negative because Man, it's hard. And you you just don't know how hard it's going to It's really hard. Um, I was asked to give a, a lecture at Northwestern this spring, sort of the, this um, Note Bene lecture series, and I get to pick whatever I want to talk about. And I always try to frame things positively, but the title of the talk is, Your Startup is Going to Fail. <laughs> I love it, Mark. <laughs> You're going to get everybody to sign up, though, because like, I want to know what that's all about. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, the odds aren't with you. They are not with you. In fact, they're so stacked against you. That's yeah. the truth. Like, what's on your mind these days? What are you worried about? What are you thinking about? You know, there's so many changes going on in our world right now. 
you know, how, how is the changing world affecting you? Before I answer that question, Mark, one little add-on to what you just said. You know, every, behind every entrepreneur and co-founder, there's a whole team and set of people. And I think maybe part of this class you're going to teach. I mean, that's what it's about. Like, all of us have had mentors. All of us have had partners. You know, John May, our chairman of the board, for years and years and years at Emmerman Angels, really like a co-founder since the beginning, you know, now he runs a $800 million private equity company, industrial private equity company. This guy, I don't know where we'd be without him. I don't know if we would even be around because he did our books and he did our numbers. He was a sharp business guy and all the stuff that I wanted to run around and talk to people with cancer and meet docs and get the word out and, and, and spread the love. He was like doing the back end and his free time. And it's like, you know, I think maybe that's, how you show these kids a light in the in the dark that you're gonna fail, but you better find people to get, help you along the way and to even give yourself a shot at all. Otherwise, you're definitely gonna fail. Of course, <laughs> it always takes a team. Yes. There's only so much you can do as one human being, right? It, it, it takes a team. And actually, one of my classes this year, we were talking about different types of leadership, different types of leaders laddering up to courageous leaders, but even more than courage is inspiration. How can you be an inspirational leader? Because that's what it takes. It, that's like, it, it, it takes that next level to get engage people to bring them along with you. I totally agree with you. And I think the only way you can inspire is if you believe and you love it enough, right? Yeah. You gotta love it, otherwise you're gonna quit. <laughs> yeah, well you have to have a greater purpose. Yeah, right? yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I have three rules of empathy, which I, I'm sure you will um, align with. They are, it's not about you. Yep. It's always about the other person. Yep. Do your homework, like really, yes. really, deeply, truly, right? And bring a gift. And what yeah. I mean by bring a gift is add value. Yeah. Like add, add value to the person sitting across the table from you. And I think that empathy and kindness are really the secret weapons that, you know, I'm the, the antithesis of Jack Welch, you know, the, the, great, the GE, you know, <laughs> slash and burn, cut and, you know, <laughs> make the quarters, right? And I always feel like sort of you're, you're, you're in that world. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's all about people, and you've done this. I mean, you build teams. You know, we build small teams, but you build a team, and it's all about your people and how you treat your people, and, and they got to know that you truly believe and you care about them and you care about the mission. But it is a lot easier when it's a B Corp or it's a nonprofit. You sort of have that natural, like, okay, rah, rah, everyone's, especially with cancer, everyone's touched by it. It's personal to everyone on our team makes it a little bit easier to, to, to do that job. Totally. So, you know, we're in sort of difficult economic times. Kind of, you know, it feels, it feels mixed, right? How has that impacted you and your team and your customers? You know, sometimes in more challenging times, the nonprofit space, actually, people step up and, and do more, right? So I'm, I'm just curious, how, how are you navigating the waters today? Yeah, good question. You know, I'm going to take the closed talk part first because it's so interesting. A big part of our model, Mark, 
is going to companies, which we have a couple, not many. We're just trying hard to get into this space, but companies that are group buying on close stock. So yeah. take a Deloitte, for example, or Bank of America that could say, we're going to buy one T-shirt for $28, super high quality, for each one of our employees. We're going to spend yeah. $28 bucks per employee, and every employee can go on to close talk and scroll about whatever they love and care about and pick their favorite cause. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, I mean, we love this idea. And then every, every you know, month, that Friday for Jeans Day, now it's Jeans Day for a purpose. Right. Everyone's not only casual, they're wearing a logo of their favorite cause, and they start teaching their coworkers about the mission. They bond more. They learn. You know, maybe Sally's wearing an animal cause shirt. Right, yeah. And, and you know, Bob, the coworker, never knew she loved animals so much. He says, yeah, I have three dogs. Oh, my God. That's a way to bond the workforce and as well as spread the word for their cause as well as support the causes. However, to your question now, it's been a tough time because fewer people are in the office. Our, our idea, I feel like in 2014 or 15, for working with companies would have been a lot better because their timing was better. People were in their offices, and so now there's so much more remote. Yet we still think that there's enough people in offices where we can still do this. We've got a couple companies who do group buy from us, and it's been really positive for them. And it's not a huge investment for them, but the times have been tough because they've really changed since the end of COVID, obviously. Sure. And on the Immerman Angels side, as the last part to your question, um, it's tough on that side as well. I mean, we used to raise about $2 million a year. We're down now to about $1.4 million a year, which is okay, but we've had to be a little more nimble with Immerman Angels, a little more um, you know, careful. We're, we're having our office so obviously getting a much smaller office, our cost of our office is going to go down by at 50%, which is great. So we're trying to obviously always adjust. And I know as well as you do, you know, every entrepreneur, you've got to adjust to changing circumstances. And clearly they're different than they were a few years ago. Is Iberman Angels 100% donation-based? 100% donation-based. We've never taken a single dollar from the government, which I'm very proud to say. Yeah. We've done it all with hustle. We've done it all with companies, groups like At Properties, Equinox Gym is a leading sponsor of ours. Um, some We have some banks out there that have helped us. Um, Kirkland & Ellis does us uh, pro bono legal, which really helps us save yeah. costs there. We don't have to pay any legal costs when you do hiring contracts, offices, all that stuff. We get all that stuff free, so we're really grateful. But, yes, the donations come from companies, foundations, and individuals. And actually, which is shocking to a lot of people, the number one source of revenue for us, which is one-third of our overall revenue, comes from the marathons. We do 250 runners in Chicago, run the marathon. We're top 10 for the Bank of America Chicago Marathon. In New York, we have about 60. In Detroit, we have about 50 or 60. But overall, they'll raise between 500 and 600 thousand dollars a year just through runners and and they also spread the word back to awareness they spread the word they wear the logo they talk about it they train in it in addition to funds i have an idea for you yeah do you know what hcap scores are i do not hospitals get about 37 percent of their revenue mm -hmm. from medicare and medicaid reimbursement the government 
has uh, something called HCAP scores. HCAP scores is the patient satisfaction survey. So when the patient leaves the hospital, you know, you get that survey. That's, a, that's an HCAP score. And there's a baseline. Yep. And if you go above the baseline, if your score is higher, then the government will reimburse at a higher to the hospital rate based on patient satisfaction. And if it goes below, they pay a lower rate. I would have a guess that your patients who have the support of Emmerman Angels probably would have a higher patient satisfaction score, a higher HCAP score. A higher HCAP score tied to the revenue back that the hospital receives is incredibly valuable to the hospital. That's a great thought. And there are some hospitals that do help fund us because we help so many of their patients. Moffitt yeah. does, does help fund us down in Tampa. Right. So here's the thing. They'll fund you because they like you, because they like your mission. I have a saying, which is operational efficiency is good. You know, helping patients is good. Making money is better if you're a for-profit. If you tie it to revenue, if you say to a hospital, look, you should do this for all the wonderful reasons that, you know, all the support, but also because you will have happier patients who will have happier HCAP scores, which means you'll get a, a better reimbursement rate on your Medicare. It totally makes sense where you're going with this, Mark, because if the patients are happier and they take something off the plate of the hospitals, their doctors don't have to answer the question like, is there a survivor like me out there? Who do you know like me? Because oftentimes those questions go to the medical team. But if we can take it off their plate for free then and make them better and make them happier. And drive more revenue to, like, like I know this is yes. a nonprofit. I know your mission <laughs> but it's true. has nothing to do with revenue. But if you could tie it to revenue, yeah, yeah, then like that, now you can build a sustainable business model. Yes, and that is that would definitely be sustainable. There are hundreds of cancer centers across the country, and they, yeah, they're if we can help them and prove it, you're absolutely right. Empirically prove this through data that we could get more funds and everyone's just to feel good. Everyone's happier, right? We've added value to those patients. Okay, my job is done. <laughs> well done. I always learn something of you every time we talk, every time. <laughs> well, listen, so Johnny, so if somebody wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way to reach you? Best way to reach me is my email is j-o-n-n-y-johnny at closetalk.com, C-L-O-Z as in zebra, talk.com. Um, you can also go to c-l-o-z-talk.com or immermanangels, I-M-E-R-M-A-N, angels.org. Anyone touched by cancer, please tell them about Immerman Angels. They can be a mentor or if they need help, it's free. Any ways that we can, you know, do more good in the world. Anyone has ideas for us. We make mistakes daily. We always learn and listen. So please reach out anytime. This was such a pleasure. And you are one of my favorite people on the planet. And I'm just grateful that you're doing what you're doing. The wind blows warm at a quarter to five. The sky's still dark, but my mind's alive. You lay beside me, dreaming of the sea. At least that's what it looks like to me. That's what.
that's our show. If you like what you heard, spread the word across your social channels. The Real Work, presented by UBS, is a noteworthy original podcast. The executive producer is Kristen Tews. Our show is produced by Todd Manley. And the theme music was created by my dear friend, the great Peter Himmelman. I'm Mark Ackler. Thanks for listening.